Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy, and I am here with my first cup of coffee. First sip. Mmm, delightful. <laughs> uh, today is Wednesday, December 5th. A little bit later in the morning. Ooh, definitely later in the morning. Uh, it's almost nine. It feels the same because the mornings are so much darker now. But I'm definitely running behind um, of my amorphous schedule. <laughs> uh, yeah, I um, got swept up into a little business this morning. I try not to, but um, one of my friends, good writer friends, messaged me with some questions about agents. Uh, she is a long-time career author. I won't say who it is to preserve her privacy, but she's been writing far longer than I have. Very successful career. Uh, but she recently parted ways with her agent, in part because her agent has kind of changed how they're doing business. And my friend is also kind of changing what she writes. And so now she is looking for an agent who will kind of fit her new trajectory and hopefully kind of give her career a, what, you know, like a mid-race boost. So I was helping her think of agents. Um, Sarah would probably not be a good fit for her genre-wise for the direction she's going, but we'll see. I'm hoping that Sarah might know of someone or someone else at Nancy Yost Literary Agency, which I consider just to be a very solid agency, uh, will be able to give her a better answer. And it's an interesting thing to look at that at this point in my career, knowing the things that I know now that I did not know back in the day, uh, because my friend was asking me about different agencies, if I would give them the thumbs up or the thumbs down. And some of them, I said, well, I'm not going to tell you no, but put them farther down the list. And it wasn't because those agencies are doing anything wrong or shady necessarily, but they're, each agency, and this is something I didn't understand for a very long time because it felt like when I was a newbie writer, all agents and agencies seemed to be equivalent. They were all sort of all across the board. And as you become more discerning and understand more about the business, you begin to understand that each agent and agency, uh, I'm trying to think what would be an appropriate, you know, it's almost like um, restaurant choices. That might be a good analogy. Let's try that out. It, it's like they all, run essentially the same business in that they sell food to you that they either make in-house or get from elsewhere, like in a franchise. And you go there and they serve you the food and you have that relationship with them where you eat the food that they give you. Let's try that on for size. Now, when you're starting out, you might think, oh, I'd really love go to go eat at this five-star restaurant, but I can't afford it. And and that being able to afford it has to do with your writing chops and your platform. You know, because every once in a while somebody's 
gets lucky, right? You know, somebody finds a $100 bill on the sidewalk, and so they can go eat at the five-star restaurant. But otherwise, you know, you're, you might be looking at the new startup restaurants, right? The ones that are really excited to get new customers. The, the five-star restaurants are a lot more exclusive, a lot more hoity-toity, right? You know, and, and all the very best people go eat there, so you'd like to go eat there too. And, and it might be that they have the very best food. But, you know, you sort of have to go to the places that really want you as a client. And some of those startup restaurants, the ones that, you know, which would be analogous to a new agent who is still um, aggressively building their client list, they might really want you to, um, you know, come come and be part of, of, you know, come and eat at their restaurant. Hi, Jackie boy. He's very restless this morning. He would like to go out, but it's only 18 degrees, so it's cold. And I think he'd like me to change the weather. Oh, oh I'm going to pause here uh, to mention that last night I saw a bobcat come across our front porch about um, oh, 8.30. I was at my computer, and my computer's in front of a big window, and I saw the bobcat cross under the porch light. And I've seen bobcats come across our porch before this. And it might be the same one uh, over time because, you know, they do have their paths that they follow. And we have this porch that sort of our house is on a high hill and the portal creates sort of a um, a natural tunnel and then goes over around. Uh, it's a path a lot of the wildlife follow. The coyotes go by a little bit farther down below. And also birds and bunnies are up here all the time, so the predators come after them. But I'd seen this same bobcat a couple of weeks ago, and I know it's the same because it has a pronounced limp. And I was very worried when I saw it a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it was farther down in the green belt, and it was having a very hard time walking, uh, clearly in pain. And I was very concerned about it. And David said, well, maybe it's just got a choya burr in its paw, but I know he said that just to make me feel better because the limp was clearly coming from the hip. Um, Might have gotten hit by a car or, I don't know, got in a fight with another cat or a coyote or something. But um, so it was the same one crossing the porch last night because it was still limping, still from that back right hip, but uh, the, the limp was much better. So um, I feel ever so much better now. I'm relieved. I, I think it'll be healing. And I got a good look at it in the light, and it the coat looked good, and the weight and muscle mass looked good. So uh, I think it's surviving just fine. So that's a little bit of a tangent. Apologies there. Uh, so anyway, back to agencies. So, you know, your startup restaurants, you know, they're going to be inventive, a younger agent is, you know, we call them hungry, uh, which is <laughs> sort of fits into the analogy, right? Because they don't have that money coming in yet. They don't have that stellar clientele list, uh, you know, meaning as in celebrity clientele list. Uh, so, you know, in many ways, it's easier to get in and they value you more. I mean, it's like you're sitting in a, a half-full restaurant, so you get a lot more attention and service. The cooks aren't crazy busy. You're liable to get a, a better quality meal. 
So, but the thing is, is some some other restaurants, I mean, you know that some places they're focused on moving, you know, high table turnover, moving a lot of people in and out. Um, some places grow too fast and the quality of the food goes down. Sometimes um, the ownership changes. Have you guys ever had like a favorite restaurant go through an ownership change? And first what happens is they reduce the menu. They start taking stuff off the menu. They do fewer and fewer dishes, and the quality of the food in those dishes goes down. And then after that, major things start coming apart before that runs out before they run out of business and close. Um, I've seen that happen a couple times, and it's very interesting. I've, I'm always, you know, worried when a favorite restaurant changes hands or changes management, but as soon as I see them starting to reduce the number of items on the menu, I know that's going to be the the kiss of death. It's a, just a bad sign. So you could extend that analogy to the agencies, that if you start having agents who are doing less for you, um, offering less, cutting services, not having time for things, um, that, that can be a sign of a problem. Maybe not the same as in the restaurant business, not the same kind of uh, symptom, but still problematic. So, so it's a balance. Hi, Jackson. He's going to come over on my lap here. Mm-hmm. Be careful. <laughs> uh, so, Helping my friend is in part, you know, she's already, she had an agent, a very highly respected agent, but what her agent was focusing on with her business and how they, what she could do for my, my friend, um, had, had parted ways. They had gone on different trajectories and very often that's a no harm, no foul thing. And they parted amicably. And so it goes. So now she's looking for someone who will be a better fit. And the agencies that I told her, let's move those farther down the list, are the ones where I don't really love the way they run their business. Hey, don't mess with that. Jackson, hey. Excuse me. I'm sorry, you guys. I'm going to have to go for a pause. He has certain things that he knows. Okay. I'm going to try and take a picture of this. Well, he's moved away, but um, he loves to get, you're going to get a nice view of his behind. He loves to get this uh, little fairy that I have hanging over my desk, and I do have it hanging too low. It's the the girl in the, the orange skirt. And so he um, knows that if he tries to get that, so I'm sorry I shouted in your ears. I apologize. That was a, a reflex. Bad cat. Uh, he's pulled her down once before. So we're not going to. And she was kind of expensive too. So anyway, that's a way of looking at business. And you don't always recognize things, these things until you until you get more experience, unfortunately, or unless somebody can tell you. Uh, but one thing about being part of Nancy Yost Literary Agency 
And I very much wanted um, Sarah to be my agent. I didn't have a strong opinion of Nancy Yost Literary Agency, except that I knew that they represented authors I admired. And that's a very good sign. I knew that uh, Nancy represents Ilona Andrews and Beverly Jenkins, among others. And, and I think that they have good careers. You want to look at how the agency is managing the author's career. Because an author can have write decent books, but a lazy agent will let them get locked into work writing for one house or uh, doing essentially the same thing over and over again. Whereas a well-managed career, you could see the growth and the diversifying. Uh, Nancy Yost Literary Agency, or NILA, as they call themselves, is uh, just a really solid team. And there's a lot of attention to detail. Nancy Yost has been in the business a very long time. And you can just feel the the professionalism, as for lack of a better word, of, of how the agency does things. Uh, Nancy pays a lot of attention to what goes on, even with the agents underneath her. Uh, I, I, I wanted to say junior agents, and that's not fair because, like, Sarah's a senior agent. But I had reason to discover recently that uh, Nancy picked out a detail on something uh, which meant that she was paying attention to what was going on with my stuff too. And sometimes the heads of agencies, especially if they have a number of agents working with them and they are widely scattered and working more or less autonomously, sometimes they don't pay any attention or make any effort to govern the quality of what their agents are doing. You could probably think of, corollaries in the business world to that, you know, that there are, you know, if we go back to Jackson, hey, now he's up on top of the bookshelf. (sighs) If you go back to the restaurant corollary, uh, sorry, it just occurs to me that you get cat wrangling no matter what. (laughs) Warm weather, cold weather, there's always cat wrangling. That's just, it's a, it's a feature, (laughs) Not a bug of this podcast, right? Uh, so if we go back to the restaurant corollary, you know, there are good managers who pay attention to every detail of the operation and know what the servers are doing and what the cooks are doing and what the the bussers are doing and maybe even the parking valets and so forth. And then you have a restaurant manager, you know, who like maybe stops in and takes a look around and leaves again or doesn't even stop in for weeks at a time. Uh, And you can feel the difference in those businesses. And if you have a really great team, if the restaurant's running smoothly, maybe the manager doesn't have to stop in every single evening. But, you know, problems come up, and it is incumbent on the person who runs the agency to pay a lot of attention to what goes on. And if you and if that's not happening, then that's I think can be a problem. So anyway, that's a very long uh, foray into what was going on with my friend. So I answered some questions for her, sent her some emails, weighed in, um, and I'm I'm really excited for her that this will uh, be a good boost for her and get things really fired up again. 
I also had to deal with some Sephwa business this morning, uh, which I can't detail, but has to do with some board activity and uh, debating issues. It's always um, some things I feel like I have to weigh in on earlier than others. Excuse me. A little bit of a hiccup there. <clears throat> and, yeah, and then I got to talking with Kelly Robson, who is also on the SEFWA board, and we debated a couple of details. So, you know, all of that just, you know, kind of took up a little bit of time, and I ended up running later than I planned and sitting down later than I planned, and so it goes on some days. Um, I did get my word count on Sorcerer's Moons yesterday. I should be closing in. I don't think I will hit midpoint today. Midpoint's going to be somewhere around what I think I figured something like 27,500. And I think I won't quite get to that today, but I might get to it tomorrow. Um, yeah, so I think um, you know, things are moving along reasonably well. I did get to finish. <laughs> that was Jackson jumping down from the bookshelf. He would just get glared at, at you guys. He glared at the phone and the microphone because that was um, clearly your fault for being in his way. So sorry, that probably sounded like a big clump. He's not sorry. He's more annoyed than anything else. I did try to let him out before I started talking, but no, he was having none of it. So... Um, so yeah, I think Sorceress moves it, Moons is moving along. It's not feeling fantastic at the moment. Uh, I had to grit through the last 600 words yesterday. Some days it feels like that. Um, I think I've mentioned it before, but Neil Gaiman, uh, compares it to laying, that writing a novel is like laying bricks and, you know, you you lay down the bricks one by one by one, and you ex extend the road, you know, to get from point A to point B. And some days it really just does feel like, you know, some days you're skipping along the road and singing off to see the wizard and everything is glorious. And there's fields of poppies. I'm seriously mixing metaphors now, right? And other days, you know, you're kind of on your hands and knees, fitting one brick against the next. And I think what's really salient about, well, one reason that it stuck with me, what's salient about what he said is that when he goes back and reads the books, he doesn't remember which days were the laying brick days and which ones were on the hands and knees and which ones were skipping along and singing in fields of poppies. Um, and that's very true for me, too. I often hear people give the advice, uh, say things like, well, if you're bored, the reader will be bored too. And I think that's just absolute nonsense. It, they, the two are not correlated. Sometimes writing is boring. Sometimes it feels like you're on your hands and knees, blistering your fingers on bricks. And that has nothing to do with the quality of the story or how the eventual reader experience will be. It's just that sometimes, I mean, writing a novel is work. And so sometimes it feels more like work than others. So on that note, I am going to go get to work. I hope you all have a wonderful Wednesday. 
uh, halfway through the week. And I, uh, well, what more is there to say? Enjoy the season with all the lights and glitter. Maybe have a little treat on me. Oh, I'll talk to you all tomorrow. Bye-bye.